Hey y'all, welcome to the Black Girl Known Podcast. This is Lauren Ash. Hey y'all, Zakia Najiba. Hello, this is Dion Ivory. Dion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dion just revealed to y'all that she's our special guest again for the show. Yes, there you go. See, I did it for you. That is hideous. Our Southern Belle. <laughs> That's a cute name. I like that. <laughs> So today is going to be a little bit different from our usual podcast episode. We are answering questions from our community. Yay. We wanted to hear from y'all. Yeah. So thank you all so much, everyone who shared questions for us, tweeted, left a comment on Instagram, sent an email. Y'all are the best. And um, we're really looking forward to not only talking about our responses to your questions, but also at the very end, sharing our favorite podcast memory so far. Because this is our last episode of season one. Turn up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, let's just get into it, should we? Yeah, so I'm trying to think back on favorite memory. I would have to say the episode where we had our friends on. Chelsea and Theo. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. That was really great. Um, Our episode on sisterhood. Like, if Lauren introduces me to somebody, I'll be like, all right this person's cool you know (laughs) they don't want my money and like they're i don't know i'm a virgo i'm like who is this new person yes you are i forgot about that don't forget i'm always remembered that you're both virgos (laughs) i'm always like ah new people and she's like chelsea please leave your couch and it was just synchronous energy. And I think we also had like a really serious and meaningful conversation around like, what does it mean to like bond with other black women? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a conversation that I often don't hear like in the public sphere. Yeah. Um, we hear a lot about black women, I think, um, individually. But I think that like most of the time we really don't hear a lot of things around black women working collectively or like black women engaging with each other Mm -hmm. like on a deeper level or engaging with each other like spiritually or I really enjoyed hearing the backstory of how you guys became friends (laughs) it was really fun and then all of y'all are ratchet so it's just (laughs) seriously I mean it was really funny I really had to conceal like some of the stories as I'm like this is not radio ready we literally like like, (laughs) when the tape stopped we we got real about some things we still told y'all the truth but (laughs) there was some additional Mm -hmm. aspects of the story some things you know we had to tuck away (laughs) So one of my favorite episodes, I mean, they're all, I feel like, our favorites in one way or another, but like (laughs) one of my favorite episodes in addition to that one was definitely our episode with Brittany Josephina, episode four. She took us to church. We were like low-key crying. The word. word. (laughs) Crying. And that's also why I created the manifestation workbook that I did for the summer solstice, because it's funny, I created in three hours a from 1 a.m. to like 4 a.m. I'm like, I need to put something out because I really want people, I really want to provide this workbook, this free tool for people to really just know that they do deserve to experience what matters to them. Like, dude, like a couple of months ago, I was praying, I'm, I'm always praying, but I was like, listen, God, because I have that relationship. Like we all have our personal relationship with God, the universe, whatever language that you put towards it. But I was like, listen, God, if I'm not here to enjoy myself and to really just live in my truth, like I just, this is not for me. Not like I'm going to kill myself or anything, but I'm saying like, I just know that there is a purpose for my life and I'm no longer going to settle. Right. So it was, it was a conversation 
conversation with myself, like, no more settling. Like, you're here for something bigger, and you're here to enjoy yourself, and that is your birthright. We, that is everybody's birthright, to live a life that really matters to you. And, you know, sometimes people say, like, you can't have it all in life. And my response is, you can have all that is for you. You don't want it all in the general sense. You just want what's right for you. And that's not a radical statement. It's just simply logical. Your life is supposed to reflect what matters most for you. She was talking about manifestation, mantras, visualizing you and your highest self and working toward that every day, getting in touch with your divine inner child. energy, like divine power. Like she was really going there. Mm. She was. And yeah. um, I, I remember we had someone tweet saying that, they listen to that episode every month, like a, the first day of every month to that. like set their whole life. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Shout out to you, Brittany. If yes. you're listening. I, I shared with Zakia that um, it was one, I don't remember the name, but she was talking about her, your your relationship with your sister. Oh, yeah. What episode was that? Was that with Anissa Ali? It was just the two Things of us. Things that we struggle with, like yes. challenges. Yes. Challenges. Drop yeah. struggle. Don't yes. say struggle. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that one really convicted me because yes. Zakia and I share very, like, share a similar story in regards to, like, our family and our siblings and dealing with being black and, like, a different, quote, unquote, different type of black. It was just really... Um, it was just really convicting, and I, I called my mom immediately after to talk to my sibling because I just felt so bad. And then, I, I mean, I think it was just really transparent, um, and it just opened, ooh, opened some wounds. Um, so, yeah, Lauren mentioned that today we'll be talking a lot about our self-care challenges. Um, I think it's important that we're even having a conversation about self-care care because to be honest I didn't start really thinking about self-care like in an intentional way until about two years ago um and I think a part of self-care also exists outside of yourself and I mean that to say that the ways that you may feel that you're taking care of yourself or focusing on yourself in some ways may even um get in the way of the relationships and bonds that you have with other people. And so I think oftentimes a lot of people, they will, you know, confuse self-care with selfishness in their acts. So you can say like, oh, I'm doing something for myself. Like I'm going to focus on my projects. I'm going to spend more time with myself as a form of self-care. But I also think that sometimes it can be borderline selfishness. Mm. For example, um, with me, I come from a really large family. I have two younger sisters, um, an older sister, and four older brothers. The entire time that I was in school, that I, you know, that I was in school, I pretty much pushed my family off to the side. Um, I was in this new space where I was learning new things about myself. I was connecting more with people that I felt like I had a stronger connection with. So I'm like, oh, dope! There's people out there who don't think I'm weird or I'm not really like the black sheep. Like I belong in like this collective of people that understand who I am and like what my interests are. And for a while it was hard for me to find that in my own family. And so during that time, like I really didn't spend a lot of time with my family. Like I would go home on holidays and whatnot, but I was barely having like 
conversations with my sister, my mother. So it was a really disconnected time. But during that time, I was unaware of like what I was doing because I was so caught up in my own world. I was so caught up in like school and I was caught up in like, um, you know, socializing and like being out in the city. I'm like, I'm on my own. I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until recently um, that I had a conversation with my younger sister, surprisingly enough. And she basically just vented to me Mm -hmm. like for a long period of time. And she was like, you haven't been there for me. You've been selfish. Mm -hmm. You barely spend any time with me. I feel like I don't even know who you are anymore. Whenever I reach out to you, you say that we're going to like hang out and like you never do it or you Mm -hmm. don't keep your word. And so like (laughs) in that moment, I was like, damn, like, have I really been that selfish? Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like really shitty. And so. After that moment, I think for me, it was like a breaking moment because growing up beside my sisters, there were so many things that happened in our childhood that we never even like had talked about. We kind of just like, you know, moved on and moved past it. But in this moment, it was the first time that both of us were actually vulnerable toward each other that I can remember. Right. I remember that episode, too. That was the the five challenges on our self-care journey one yeah so yeah it got real yeah <laughs> real quick and it's hard for me to be vulnerable like publicly for some things yeah like I'm a very like guarded person mm-hmm. and um but I don't know in that moment I was like maybe I should just like mm-hmm. let go of some things in the moment yes girl because that was for me <laughs> it was well, I'm it glad was you were yeah girl. it was awesome well, I'm so grateful. I mean, this whole season has been incredible. Most of you listening like know this, but because we've shared it before, but like we didn't know that we were going to be starting a podcast when we nope. went into this year. So the fact that we've created this podcast, we ourselves have enjoyed the process mm-hmm. and the journey, and then that other people have enjoyed it is just so amazing. It's so amazing. It's so affirming. Um, and so thank you, everyone, for listening. So we'll get into the questions. I think... Uh, start with one that is very seasonally appropriate this is from someone on instagram um they ask if we could share something about mental health and the winter blues Ooh, (laughs) no no the reason i know the reason i feel that is because i deal with i'm sure like most people with seasonal depression Mm -hmm. i mean i've dealt with depression anyways in the past and frequently Mm -hmm. um but also added adding that on to like seasonal depression can sometimes be like really, really heavy because mm-hmm. like in the winter, like there's literally just like I just feel so weighed down. That is so strange. Um, but one of the things that help during those processes, honestly, like just soaking up as much inspiration as I possibly Absolutely. can. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, for me, that's really looking at photographs or maybe like looking up an artist that I didn't really know that much about before and just like being obsessed with them and like Mm -hmm. soaking up like information from them and like receiving like inspiration Mm -hmm. um, as well as reading. Yeah, for me, I mean, I've always had winter. Like I grew up in Minnesota. I live in Chicago now. Like People would think that I'm used to it, but I'm definitely not. I don't you think don't it's get normal. Used to it. I don't think anyone nah. gets used to it. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone should live in climates that we live no. in right now. No. Um, but honestly, for me, and and you know this, Sakia, but like last year when I went to Mexico in March, that was one of the best things. Oh yeah, I could have given my spirit, like not even my body, my spirit. Like yeah, I 
realized so much about how like how much like sun and like being mm. in the elements just being outside mm-hmm. period can do for you and um I also was able to like shift my my assumptions around like travel like if you plan for it it does not have to be expensive if you make sacrifices in other areas of your life you can go on a trip um that was really great a really close friend of mine from back in the day Amanda she really was a model for me in college she was not really from like a lot of wealth or anything like that but she always prioritized a a savings account for travel Mm -hmm. so that at any point in the year when Mm -hmm. she wanted to get out and go she could go and so that is beautiful yeah like she's always done that since the beginning and so um it really just just told me that I just need a winter getaway and I'm I'm gonna strive to do that every year now I'm trying to do that in December that's really interesting I mean being in Houston Texas (laughs) I mean we really don't get a winter well you about to get a winter girl don't even remind me I'm not even ready (laughs) I'm not even ready like the thing is, I'm trying to fly out. That's why I'm gone half of December, because I'm not trying to deal with this. So that was a fantastic question. Thank you again for asking it, because it is very relevant, especially to those of us who live in places where we get four seasons. Okay, so our next question here is, is wearing natural hair significant to you? Do you consider the social implications of wearing it? I mean, I just think natural hair in general is like highly sig- significant and anyone who makes like a conscious to- choice to like actively wear their hair natural like that's um, inherently a political statement. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like I've been natural my entire life. I had one horrible experience where I got a relaxer when I was in high school and it actually like ruined my curl pattern. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Lord, why would I do this? My hair was like fine. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's important. And I think now, now that I've decided to lock my hair, like it's been interesting to engage with other people's reactions towards it. Like I was telling Deanna and Michael last night, actually, we were at a Lauren, at an event that was like being held for Lauren. And um, I was just telling them, like, my family has such like antagonistic responses to my lock process. And wow. like, I'm really just. I don't know. I just think I'm just surprised oftentimes when I hear people say things like, Mm -hmm. you know, you shouldn't be wearing natural hair. You shouldn't be wearing hair like this. Or you're going back to like the days of like slavery. And it like like people Um, actually still have this mentality. Like there's still black folk out there who still have internalized this self-hate and like this insecurity about wearing natural hair. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that in itself is a social implication. But then there's also all of this like horrible things you keep hearing in the news about people being rejected, like job offers and employment because of like locks or natural hair in general, like natural hair has always been like a political and controversial thing in, Mm -hmm. in our community. I mean, it's definitely significant. I know like, for me, especially when I wear Cynthia out, that's the name of my fro. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's so bold. You know, it's like I'm unapologetically myself. I don't care what you have to say about what I look like. Like, oh, my God, I would hear comments. I'm going to go into this. OK, so I taught fourth. I taught fourth grade and I taught uh, middle school art. That was a very it was a horrible experience because it was a primarily Hispanic school and they would adopt some of the black culture, but they didn't really like appreciate the hair or understand how 
we grow our hair. And so I remember one day, oh my God, you guys, I almost cried and I'm like, Dion, you have to stand up for the black the black girls in your classroom, you know, who have natural hair. You can't be weak mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. It was so tough. I walked in, they were like, Miss Ivory, like what's going on with your hair? Like, did you get electrocuted? Um, they were like, uh, are you in a circus? Um, it looks like um, a mop top. Just also their kids, they, they don't even kids. really know what they're saying. Yeah. Right. But I mean, still, I yeah. was just so hurt. Yeah. I'm like, this is beautiful to me. Like, how do you not perceive this as beautiful? You know? Um, and so I mean, for the little girls in my classroom, they would come to me and say, Miss Ivory, you know, thank you for um being so confident in the way you walk around campus. Cause I mean, I was one of the few black people, you know, black educators on campus. And I was wearing my natural hair, looking really artsy, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people had a problem with it, but um, I think that I inspired most of my students, which is the ultimate goal. That's yeah. my ultimate satisfaction, mm-hmm. you know? Good. Yeah. And that's important. That's good. And I mean, young black girls need role models. Absolutely. Like Representation. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. You know? That's so, so great. That was tough, though. I ain't gonna lie. I was praying. I was like, Lord Jesus. Whew, do some, cause uh, I'm about to fire these kids up. I, I girl, the <laughs> clap back in me. I had to be mature. It was yeah. tough. It was yeah. real tough. Um, yeah, for me, kind of similar wavelength as all of you. So I did wear my hair straight and and relaxed from about sixth grade until freshman year of college. Um, and same story as I'm sure many other young black women who got their hair relaxed. It was just kind of because like it was because most other kids were doing it you know it was because perhaps like it would make it easier for me to do my hair and you know of course what is easier (laughs) um and what are the implications behind easier in the long run (laughs) you know um and so when I went into college it's not even that I would like became conscious or woke or anything Mm -hmm. Because I was not at that time, but it was um, because I just saw a photo of myself as a child with a huge fro, and I was like, "That's cute. Why do I not have this on my head right now?" Um, so I was just more so like drawn to natural curls again, and um, started the process, and I haven't really looked back. So for me, I understand that it's um, just really me, just like fully embracing something that is natural to me and that is also to me yes absolutely a political statement but it's also something that I don't even necessarily think of anymore because it's just like the norm because it's something you just do exactly Exactly. but it's interesting like also how it's like the norm for us but there's like so many groups of people where it's like yes it's not yes and for them it's like like it's unbelievable. It's like a that, statement, like, like right, a bold statement. That we would statement. just wear our hair like yes. this. No, I'm sure you both receive this too. But sometimes when I walk down the street wearing my fro or a twist out or whatever, like especially like older black gentlemen will oh my be God. like, "Sister, yes, wearing your natural yes, hair. Don't yes. ever." <laughs> and I'm like, "Cool, I guess, sure." Like it's just so <laughs> like it's kind of funny to me, but not because it is a big deal. Yes, yeah. but to me, it's just so normal that they even like make a big deal out of it. You know. Um, but I think, I mean, it matters. My grandmother, I love my grandmother. Love you, grandmother. Lillian, if you're listening, she's not, (laughs) but I love her, but she's still, every single time I'm in her presence, she has something to say about my hair. Girl. But it's that old mentality. You know, she grew up in the South. That's my mom right there. Exactly. Respectability politics. You don't do something with that hair? You just walk around like that? Like my grandma too, she (laughs) thinks that it's because I can't afford to get my hair done. She literally offers for her to set up an appointment for me or to give me money so I can get it done. But that's how deep it is. 
That's how it's deep, deep it girl. is. I am done. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, it's fine. I just laugh. <laughs> the one time she didn't Lauren, say anything, I left her house, was so happy, and then I looked out on my phone and she was calling me to talk about my hair. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. She is <laughs> determined for you to get this hair right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if any of you listening who wear your hair natural, who don't like have opinions on this, you should definitely let us know. Um, I think it's a conversation that we can all. And if you are struggling to make that decision, like Mm -hmm. make that decision for yourself and not for anybody else. Yes. Do what you want to do. Interesting. Um, You brought this up about being woke or conscious with natural hair. And I often see um, some people are like, it doesn't matter if you have natural hair or not. You can still be a conscious black woman and wear weaves. Yeah. And true. I think that, you know. True. I mean, it's all about things coming from a healthy place. Yes. Right. Is what I usually yes. think about. Like if something is coming from a healthy place and you're aware of the social implications or like the history or the politics of it. Mm-hmm. And you have that awareness, then like that's fine. But I mean, you have so many women who don't wear their natural hair because it comes from like an unhealthy space yeah. and a space of like yeah you know self-hatred yeah or, you know not feeling validated absolutely or feeling like they look weird with their natural mm-hmm. kinks and curls mm-hmm. i'm gonna just leave it there yeah hot topics <laughs> i love this question <laughs> yeah that was a great where those naps where those naps All right, here's one uh, that I think is just great. What are your favorite books? And I know that all of us love reading or have loved reading in the past. So, like, let's not make it the book, but, like, the first book that comes to your mind when you hear this that that is a favorite of yours. There's this book called Fly Girl. I read it in middle school. Y'all, it is the flyest book. Seriously. (laughs) Like, first of all, I was, I didn't know anything about sex. Um, and so it was just interesting to hear about this this young girl like being all fine and whatnot, and her losing her virginity in the basement. Um, of course, that's not the the moral of the story, but it was just interesting just to follow, you know, just to hear about her story or to hear her narrative. It's bro, it's a fly book. Just go go check it out. And then I'm currently reading um, Forced into Glory. I forgot the writer, but I was telling Zakia it's about Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and y'all, this mug is getting my ducks in a row because is just really exposing the truth about um, slaves being free and all that good stuff. And also The Alchemist. I'm oh, reading that. of course. Yeah. I've been dying to get my hands on this book, and yeah. I finally have it. It's so. just one of those books you have to read. The Alchemist, yeah, everyone has to read it. And you notice When I first met Lauren, I was reading it. it. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. yes. Well, and you notice when you start to read it that people are gravitating toward it. Have you noticed this? Oh, absolutely. Have you read it out in public and people are like, oh. Yeah, the alchemist. They're like, oh my God, this is so Or in the process of reading it, like things like transform dramatically in your life. Yes. That's a live book. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. Those are my three. Oh my God. And I also want to read (laughs) Year of Yes. Oh, Oh, I started reading that. It's fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. My sister-in-law is reading it, and she was like, girl, this is getting my life. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I would definitely agree with you with The Alchemist. Um, I would definitely also mention The Four Agreements, um, Mm. which I've talked about on the show before. But it's basically four different agreements that you can start to live by every day and experience more personal freedom. Mm. It's very simple stuff, but of course, the simplest things are the most profound often. So one of them, one of the four agreements is don't take anything personally. It's just like that's good so advice. hard to I deal with that <laughs> to do that. 
Like every day I take these <laughs> yes. personally. Um, but it basically just gives you like <sighs> advice, support, affirmation around how to do it. It's just so, it's so, so deep. And one of the other ones is always do your best. Recognizing that your best is always, always changing. But like, mm-hmm. you know, always strive to do your best and you'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's one of my favorites. And then another one of my favorites um, is by Danzi Senna. Um, it's called Caucasia. And it's basically a book about this young biracial, um, she's black and Jewish girl, I believe in the 70s, who is raised by her Jewish mother um, and who, in separation from her father, her father gives her this like negrobilia box, he calls it. Basically, is all the stuff that's supposed to remind her of her blackness. Mm. Um, and her mom like takes her away and then they start to pass for or excuse me, she's white, but they start to pass for Jewish. So it's like all about her racial identity development, which is like what I used to study a lot of. And it's just a very fascinating novel. Danzi's son is an amazing, amazing writer. Um, And that has just stuck with me ever since I read it in grad school. I'm reading White Teeth by Zadie Smith. And anyone who's like been around me for the past month knows that I've been like slightly obsessed with this book and Zadie Smith. Um, I used to be a huge lover of like fiction writing. And Mm. then when I got into college, like that kind of just like went out the window unless I was reading something that was like fiction for class. Mm. Um, and so this book is just like amazing. And it's all about like that tension between like cultural traditions and like new ways of living. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that she deals with like race and like generations of family and like culture is just like so, um, powerful so like anybody who wants to read it or is interested in like learning more about like northwest like london culture and like people of color there and black folks there like this book is like amazing another book that i'm always thinking of um is another country by james baldwin i'm obsessed with james baldwin like i could read anything everything by james baldwin be completely satisfied (laughs) um but it's an amazing book um and that deals a lot with like black men and vulnerability and queerness um and so I actually saw a lot of like interesting similarities between that book and some like themes that were dealt with in Moonlight oh my so god anyone see oh Moonlight? my god. god no 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 I know oh. so good we- Yeah, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And then the last book I'm reading um, right now is called Wabi Sabi. It's called Wabi Sabi for artists, poets, um, and philosophers. And it's this like really interesting book that really preaches about like the lifestyle of like Wabi Sabi, which is like this Japanese like aesthetic movement that Mm -hmm. really centers like humbleness and modesty being things of like pure beauty Mm. um so a lot of the things that I've been grateful for in learning about this book is like Mm. how do you see beauty in things that are like authentically or inherently um influenced by nature or like how do you see beauty in things that are not perfect but things that are more like humble um and broken and so it's it's really beautiful I've been learning a lot about it and it's been helping me with my um creative practice that's awesome so get on that wabi-sabi y'all. i just it's real. googled it, it looks really <laughs> i love the name i love the name and it's all about embracing like minimalism and i know we were talking about this earlier but it's also embracing like minimalism and like reducing things to like their core and mm-hmm. like what does it mean to like focus on that instead you know, of like what I'm all about. things that aren't necessary and so it's been like it's been beautiful um well great we have one more question 
Um, I think this one's fantastic. Short and sweet, too. What's the one self-care practice you turn to to get yourself out of a rut? Dang, I don't want to list one. I want to name There's like so three. There's so many I have. You know, I have one that's new. It's new for me this year. So prior to this year, I think I was just slowly warming up to enjoying cooking. And what I really realized about it, like the past few months, especially in cooking for my boyfriend, is that when I view it more as like an act of like mindfulness, because you can apply mindfulness to like everything. When I view it more as like an act of mindfulness and like act of meditation and also as an opportunity to like give to someone that I love, mm. then it like I'm literally getting like excited talking about it. Like I wanna see go you. Because it's, it's exciting. Because <laughs> it's like it's so amazing and it just shifts your whole perspective on eating too. It's like I'm not eating just to like eat so I can feel myself so I can do other things but like I'm eating so I can like be deeply nourishing and like a communal like like exchange and like an exchange of like gratitude and love so like I've like when I actually take the time to like cook and prepare and like really get into it that actually is an act of self-care for me so and and I see it as like a soul practice like Mm. it's good for you and like you're transferring that energy to other people and they're eating food that you made yeah and then they like it yeah. Yes. That's yes. always a good. The girl, one. I love. Give me my compliment. Give me my compliment <laughs> about this meal. Yes. And that's yeah. actually one of the reasons why I love to cook. Like, if I could cook all day, <laughs> I would. I ain't gonna say all that, but if I had the luxury. <laughs> like, if I had the luxury to just like cook every single day, whatever I wanted, I would love to do that. I would have to say. I mean, I, I stated this last time. Um, taking a bath I mean I being in college you're just so used to taking a shower yeah. mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's your life for a good four to five years that's true you know yeah, and it's just like bath like what first of all I didn't even want to get in the tub I'm like no people put their feet in here like why would I why do I want to sit in this yeah. you know and then I mean I have a new apartment so like it's like <laughs> I'm the first one to touch down so I feel I know that sounds crazy. I'm just like I can't deal no, with like nasty. I, hear you. Like, I understand that. You know, yeah. you know? Yeah. so now I go and I take a bath and it's dark and I have my music on sometimes or sometimes I just what sit do you in listen silence. To in the bath? That's a great question. I listen to some weird people. <laughs> like it'll be like some folk music yeah. sometimes or um Solange or like some R and B. I love R and B. Oh my god, yes. I'm just I'm sorry. Okay, and then um She said one. I'm going to just leave it at one. Taking a bath. That's mine. I think for me, like right now, is like watching films. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really into films right now. And so I think that also adds to like inspiration. So like constantly needing to like be inspired. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly finding like films online, like whether it's like Hulu or Netflix or Mm -hmm. Amazon, like just watching films films. and cuddling up with popcorn. Oh, popcorn. And I also have been taking notes, like films that I watch. Like I take like little like field notes mm-hmm. That's awesome. on them. And so it's been like a good like practice to like reflect on like my creativity or like if I see something dope in a film, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to write this down so I can remember it and, like right. you know, refer back to it. Ooh. So F- Future filmmakers, Akia Najiba. Oh, I'm done. <sighs> that's what I'm that's what I'm you're taking notes. No, you're she's definitely going to be. Yeah. I'm yeah. so excited. And it's a good self-care practice, right? Because it feels like, I think doing things that feel natural and innate to, like, who you are. Yeah. Like, bring you, like, have this way of, like, bringing you back to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And so I'm always thinking about, like, okay, what are some interests that I have that could be used as a self-care practice? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, how are these things inspiring me or yeah. encouraging me? Yeah.
note, um, again, this was a very different approach to a podcast. We had Dion back in the studio with yes, us today. Um, if you really liked the energy that Dion brought to the show, <laughs> you're going to hear a lot more <laughs> from her. <laughs> so we have a bittersweet announcement for everyone right now. Um, Zakia will be transitioning out of Black Girl and Ohm. Um, Dion will be transitioning into the role of art director. Um, yes. So we really just kind of wanted to share a little bit about this transition and offer our love and gratitude and excitement for Zakia, everything she, that she's done with us um, and everything that she'll do moving forward. <laughs> and yes, I'm sure y'all will love Dion just as much as we love Dion because <laughs> Dion is dope. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was like pretty simple. We're just going through some transitions. Um, I think myself I've had to make some um, really critical decisions like moving forward in my life like not personally not just personally but career wise mm-hmm. um, and for me I just see this as another opportunity to further grow um, as an independent artist and further grow in other areas of my life that mm-hmm. um, I feel like I need to be paying more attention to yeah and so and you know exciting. I always got love for y'all like I'm not going anywhere I'm still gonna be in Chicago <laughs> um, and so yeah and we're really excited to have Dion on the team and sort of Thank like you. lead the way I'm still <laughs> sad though cause me you cackle like that's our thing <laughs> we do we laugh at the most ratchet things and I'm like yes girl we can be ratchet together <laughs> like anyway. outside of the studio <laughs> true true Zakia was a phenomenal yeah. art director so you know I'm just, I'm happy to be able and to And I'm excited, too, because, like, this will give me a chance to be an observer. Mm. And so I'll yeah. get a chance to, like, see things from the outside. So I'll have, like, a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. But yeah. seriously, like, everyone who has engaged with Zakia for, for the past two years, because uh, November marked her second year been and the third. Years. Yeah. Um, you all know that she's just an incredibly passionate mm-hmm. woman. I mean, you're just so um, thoughtful about how you engage, especially with other black women and black people as a whole. Um, you're very thoughtful about your art and the importance of represent- representation um, of black women. Um, and you're just so um, invested in what, um, what it means to be well and thriving and surviving as a black woman right now. So all of those things have just been so evident since day one. So thank you so much. And thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I'm still thinking like it's crazy. Like two years ago when I first met Lauren and she asked, I'm sorry, I'm going to like tear up. I'm going to tear up. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Um, Like asked me to be a part of Black Girl Home and then like thinking about how much I've grown since then and then also getting to know Lauren and working beside you. Um, has all been like very, very humbling for me. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, just too much. I mean, it's bittersweet, but you know, <laughs> it is bittersweet. These it things is. are necessary. Well, I'm happy for and you and, you know, everything that you're going to be doing. I know it's going to be amazing. Yes. And we'll be sure to highlight your work too. I mean, you have some great things in the, in the works right now. And we'd love to continue to share them with the community. So. Thank and I'm excited so for 2017. 2017, oh, 2017 is going to be lit. 
special shout out again to our producer, James T. Green, who we has love you. recently accepted a <laughs> phenomenal job, if it's okay that I share it, um, at MTV, producing their podcast. So he is the illest. Um, he's still going to be around, obviously, uh, but he will be taking on a new role also at MTV. I'd also love to acknowledge Tenny Ondutsi, our podcast manager. She's been supporting BGIO with our editorial um, projects over the past several months. But um, she's, I mean, recently been supporting our podcast enormously. She writes the amazing copy that you see for our descriptions and just shares a lot about our podcast in other ways. So her role is going to be more formally located in the podcast realm. So special thank you, Tenny. <laughs> um, and just thank you to the Post Loudness team. I mean, this episode or this uh, season has been phenomenal mm-hmm. in part because we've been so supported by an amazing podcast collective that supports and amplifies the voices of women of color. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much to Post Loudness as a whole. And all of you listening, send us your ideas for topics, for guests um, as we transition into season two toward the end of January. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What? That was so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, books. Ah, (laughs) that noise. (laughs) Post loudness.